Welcome to Religious Studies News. I'm your host, Christian Peterson, and today I'm here with Catherine Tanner, Professor of Divinity and Professor of Religious Studies at Yale University and winner of the AAR Book Award in Constructive Reflective Studies. She's here to speak to us about her book, Christianity and the New Spirit of Capitalism, published with Yale University Press. Congratulations, and thanks for joining me, Catherine. How are you? Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, this is a really uh, interesting book, definitely a critical topic, I think, even more so um, after its publication, but uh, obviously increasingly over the years. Um, it's also title is, may sound familiar to many in religious studies, uh, although certainly, uh, you know, in the in the kind of nostalgic period, perhaps. Um, can, can you start a little bit with um, kind of where this project emerged for you? Uh, what were some of the, the kind of broader uh, interventions you were hoping to make with the book? Sure. Uh, well, I've been working on theology and economics for a long time. And the reason for that basically is that it just seems to me that the economy is the dominant force in people's lives, that uh, economic terminology uh, has infiltrated, if you want, the self-understanding of most uh, contemporary people, especially in the United States uh, and in Europe, and that um, it's int interesting to look at the way in which uh, religion can comment on those uh, developments, uh, particularly to give a, a critical perspective on uh, what's happening economically and, uh, you know, our own self-understanding that's influenced by economic language. Um, the title, as you uh, are alluding to, is a, a reference to Max Weber's uh, Protestant Ethic and uh, Spirit of Capitalism. Uh, I'm trying to use a, a kind of quasi-sociological method to talk about uh, the potential influence of religion, but especially Christianity, which is my field, on economic behavior, where the basic sense there is that uh, religion has the capacity to shape uh, the entirety of life, and that also that, that would also then include economic uh, exchange, um, uh, production, uh, distribution of uh, goods, in an economic sense of that. So I'm trying to work as a Christian theologian with my own kind of take, if you will, on uh, Christian commitments to see how they might intersect in a critical way on what I'm calling uh, finance capitalism, which is not something that Weber himself was concerned about. Yeah, That's a big, and, yeah, yeah, it's it's a big topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this idea of, uh, of finance-dominated capitalism, um, which I, I gather is the the new spirit of capitalism. Um, how do you characterize uh, this process? Uh, how does it shape folks to be? amenable to the present organization of capitalism? Yeah, well, I'm influenced by a number of uh, economists here who are looking at uh, some broad shifts since the 1970s in uh, the way profit is generated. And the basic idea there is just that financial transactions uh, are uh, become the major center for profit generating purposes. Uh, you might be talking about stock market uh, transactions, you know, financial markets, but uh, various forms of derivatives. I mean, basically just uh, money being pushed around <laughs> in ways that generate more 
money and that can potentially bypass uh, the production of other goods and services. So that's one side of it, that finance is just uh, more front and center in the economy. But uh, by calling what's happening a finance disciplined or finance uh, dominated economy, uh, again, I'm influenced by economists who are saying that finance is really calling the shots for other forms of economic uh, transaction and other uh, areas of life, period. So that, uh, for example, um, shareholder value, uh, the idea that corporations are being run primarily to uh, elevate uh, the, their stock prices. That's a kind of uh, finance disciplining of corporate management, uh, but also you can see uh, you know, the basic terms of finance being employed within uh, government services, uh, educational institutions, et cetera. So both those points, one that finance is more front and center, but also that it's uh, affecting uh, other uh, forms of economic transactions so that those forms of economic transaction mirror uh, the profit generating uh, mechanisms of finance. Now, um, in Weber's take, he's saying that Christianity um, uh, or certain forms of Christianity are kind of structuring people's lives in ways that that make capitalism uh, function in its most effective way. And here, uh, if I'm reading you correctly, you're saying this new spirit of capitalism uh, is kind of shaping folks to be disciplined in a certain way to make capitalism uh, work better. So can, can you talk a little bit about... Um, what are those kind of disciplining methods? How, how does it kind of shape uh, everyday people's lives? Yeah, no, that's uh, a lot of what the issue is there. I'm trying to turn Weber on his head. So as he said, Weber was much more concerned about, you know, how capitalism got up and running and required people who were amenable to its dictates. And he thought that Protestant uh, forms of Christianity were crucial to uh, uh, forming people in ways that would make them amenable to capitalist dictates like uh, saving money rather than spending it, et cetera. But so I'm interested in the way in which uh, Christianity, specific forms of it, um, could uh, kind of gum up the works of uh, capitalism, at least this, this form of it. And there I'm looking especially at um, you know, Weber calls this uh, the spirit of capitalism, but you could also call it just the culture of capitalism. So I'm assuming with him that capitalism has uh, a culture to it, that uh, it brings with it a, a particular way of understanding oneself and one's relationships with others. And it's at that point, if you, if you want to, if you, you could say the person forming character of capitalism, it's there that uh, religion can most easily, I think, come into the picture and uh, object to uh, the way in which persons are being shaped. And I think that's one of the central features of finance capitalism, that it uh, tends to target uh, a whole person uh, for profit uh, generating purposes, you know, not just what you do at work, but uh, the whole of your life uh, is being understood in uh, basically this kind of capitalist way. And that uh, religion also has the one thing that it does is that it shapes one's whole person so that uh, religion could, could intervene on that level. And specifically, the things that I'm talking about are, again, they're very broad and general, but 
Um, I'm especially worried about, well, a number of different, <laughs> different things. But <laughs> one is the way in which uh, finance capitalism is shaping uh, uh, individual person's understanding of their relations to time. So I'm talking about uh, uh, the way in which debt uh, chains people, I say, to their, to their past, uh, the way in which um, the demands of finance capitalism, either at work or in terms of uh, an impoverished life, uh, makes the, the present of uh, absolute urgent concern. Um, another uh, part of it is the way in which uh, the future is kind of collapsed into uh, the past and present. And I, I'm trying to suggest that that, uh, that set of relations with time um, stops one's ability or interferes with one's ability to take a critical perspective on capitalism and think that there might be an alternative future uh, that's significantly <laughs> different to the, to the capitalist uh, present we uh, currently live in. So th th those questions of temporality figure, but I'm also, uh, I'm also suggesting that finance capitalism often brings with it a, a kind of exaggerated work ethic, and I'm trying to undercut uh, uh, the Christian support for especially an exaggerated work ethic like that. But I'm also uh, finally uh, worried about uh, what's been called the competitive individualism uh, that's encouraged by finance capitalism, which is which basically means that everybody is on their own bottom, so to speak, to uh, either sink or swim, uh, you know, you have to take responsibility for your own life and, uh, you know, success, success or failure um, on almost any front uh, is dependent on uh, uh, hard work. So in all those, uh, all those different arenas, I'm trying to bring uh, Christianity into the picture as uh, an alternative uh, perspective that would distance you from um, what you're expected to be under the current capitalist regime. Yeah, that's a that's a great summary of uh, of what you kind of the 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 key moments or experiences that you uh, cover in the book. Um, I probably couldn't have even asked you a question to to get you to answer that better. Um, so. The the other part of this, which um, perhaps well, we haven't gotten to as much, is this kind of tension between um, how you argue Christian beliefs can undermine this new spirit of of capitalism, um, and you 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 offer uh, you know certain interpretations of Christianity as a, a kind of counter spirit to contemporary capitalism. So, can you talk a little bit about about this? How how do Christian commitments relate to uh, the kind of economic uh, behavioral demands under the system? Yeah, well, to give you one example, uh, I mean, the, the way, I mean, debt is a, is a major way of, of generating money uh, within finance capitalism that, uh, um, you know, sure, it's great to, to sell people things, it's great if people buy things, but it's much more interesting if they go into debt in order to uh, purchase those things at uh, as high an interest rate as possible, especially if those uh, forms of debt are then going to be repackaged and resold to investors uh, in the form of some kind of bond. So yeah, debt, uh, often unpayable debt, 
um, I'm trying to bring uh, Christian understandings of, sorry about the noise in the background at that point, uh, Christian understandings of conversion and uh, some distinctive ways of narrating one's past and putting one's life into some story form. I'm trying to suggest ways in which they involve uh, a very sharp uh, repudiation of the past. So an understanding of conversion where you're really uh, turning your life around in ways that mean that you're no longer, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, you're still the person you were before, but in, in, in the form of a kind of repudiation of it, that you're, um, <clears throat> that there's a really significant uh, sense of um, uh, opposition, if you want, to uh, uh, past, the past and its influence on you in the, in the present. Uh, but also forms of narration in which um, there's a kind of discontinuity, if you want, between the past and the present, so that you couldn't have predicted where you uh, ended up in the present on the basis of how you were in the past, um, uh, partly because your life isn't <laughs> under your control in uh, the ways that uh, would be necessary to form a continuous narrative like that. Um, so that's one set of examples. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, with COVID, there's been these epic transformations in the economy, in the labor force, um, just attitudes about work in general, um, have kind of our moment and this kind of, the kind of post life of, of the book, um, has this kind of transformation or shift uh, made you rethink uh, about any of your conclusions or has it, has it underscored the, uh, the, the Christian attention to an urgent present that you, you call for in the book? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, there are lots of things going on there that are yeah. uh, relevant. I mean, one obviously is that uh, what I haven't talked about very much yet in our conversation is just the incredible forms of income and wealth inequality that are associated with finance capitalism and certainly uh, those uh, the effects of those uh, forms of inequality on uh, healthcare outcomes, uh, COVID rates, et cetera, especially in uh, black and brown communities has been you know overwhelmingly salient. So uh, that's obviously of continued concern. But there, uh, you know, the recent um, discussion of uh, people's unwillingness uh, to go back to uh, low-paying uh, jobs without, uh, you know, in poor working conditions and without uh, uh, good benefits. Uh, I think that's of uh, a very interesting uh, development. And there, there have been a lot of articles in mainstream press about workism and people uh, refusing uh, work that is uh, of the urgent, all-encompassing uh, character that I'm talking about here under a hyper, under the language of a hyper work ethic. Uh, yeah, the, the, the COVID has put a lot of, uh, 
has made a lot of uh, features of finance capitalism, both uh, in terms of, you know, real inequalities and the cultural concomitants of it, you know, have really um, made those uh, features uh, overwhelmingly salient. I mean, you can't, you can't overlook them there, uh, smacking you right in the face. So, yeah, uh, I don't know whether that's just proving <laughs> the point of the book, but it's, it's, um, it's let's say not unexpected given um, the the way I'm treating finance capitalism in the book. I mean that is one of the things that the book does. It brings together. I mean I'm not an economist, but uh, it's it, it's uh, synthesizing an awful lot of uh, reading that I was doing into uh, uh, you know a fairly simple picture of how things work. Um, there's a, a lot more in the book, of course, um, and we could go off in, in several directions. Um, I want to give you the opportunity if you have any of the other uh, thoughts that you want to share um, or perhaps kind of a general what what you want readers to take away from the book. Uh, well, especially for uh, people in the American Academy of Religion, uh, you know, I'm speaking in the book as a Christian theologian. I have specific Christian commitments, you know, but know the history of Christian thought, blah, blah, blah. But uh, the method that's being used in the book is much more uh, widely applicable. Um, and I would hope that uh, people familiar with uh, other religious traditions or uh, any uh, you know, non-religious worldview would be able to do the same kind of thing, which is basically to distance, uh, help people distance themselves from what's taken for granted in the, um, on the current economic scene and uh, show the re uh, relevance of religious uh, categories to, um, you know, to the ability to make sense of what's, what's happening in, in everyday life. So again, I'm using a kind of quasi-sociological method, which is nothing, it's not particularly uh, Christian, it's not particularly theological, it's... Uh, it's influenced by Weber and uh, Foucault is, as much as it's influenced by anything specific to Christian theology. Well, Catherine, congratulations on uh, the award. It's a great book and uh, okay. I hope people will uh, take a look. Okay, thanks enough a lot. <laughs>